Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Good morning, Valley Point Church. How are you doing today? Good, good. My name's Gus. I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point Church. I am primarily responsible for two things here at Valley Point. One is connection groups, and we will be launching our fall semester of connection groups pretty soon. So be thinking and praying about what group you want to be in. We actually have seven new groups this year, so there's a lot of options, and we're really excited about this fall. We'll be having some promotions and sign-ups at the end of this month. I'm also in charge of the compassion trips that we go on, and we actually have three compassion trips coming up over the next seven or eight months. Uh, In about six weeks, we'll be going to Russia, and then in February, we'll be going to Haiti, And then in April, during spring break, we'll be going back to the Dominican Republic and the village of Ascension. So be thinking and be praying about those things. So there, that's my shameless plug for the things that I'm involved in. So thank you for listening. (laughs) We're actually in a summer series. It's been a fun series. It's a series called Nine Flavors. And this is a study of the fruit of the Spirit. It's taken from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And this is what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It is our goal as believers, as Christ followers, it's our goal to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. All nine flavors. And when it comes to flavors, I'm kind of a simple guy. You probably can tell by the way I talk. Um, I'm a meat and potatoes type of person. And I know some of you are probably that as well. I don't like a lot of different flavors in my food. A lot I don't I don't need a lot of spices or exotic food. Some people would say that I am a picky eater. I don't believe that I'm a picky eater. This is how I look at it. There's three meals a day. Why waste one of them on something that I don't like? That's how I look at it. So I eat the flavors that I like. It's one of the reasons why when someone comes to me and they say, Gus, let's stop at Starbucks and get a cup of coffee together. I get very nervous. I get nervous not because of the person who's asking me. I get nervous because I'm going to Starbucks. And when I go to Starbucks, it's a challenge for me because I'm a simple guy. I just like a nice good cup of coffee, black, nothing fancy. But when you go to Starbucks, there's all kind of flavors of coffee and all kind of names of flavors. And I'm always challenged when I'm in there. I don't know what to order. So when I do go, I usually get help from the person who's with me. 
because I'm looking for just a regular cup of coffee, small. So when I finally order, I tell the girl I want a small black, and she goes, well, I'll give you a tall. I said, I don't want a tall. I want a small. She goes, well, tall is small. That's what, you know why I'm challenged when I go to Starbucks. When it comes to ice cream, I'm not challenged. Let me ask you a question. If I was to say to you, let's all go to an ice cream place after the service today and get ice cream, how many of you would know what flavor they want? How many? All right, that's not too bad. You already know, right? You already know. It's not the case all the time. There's this one ice cream place we like to go to down the beach. We'll go there fairly regularly, and usually we take a bunch of grandkids. We'll take eight or nine grandkids in a four-passenger car. We'll pile them in, (laughs) go up the street, and we get to the ice cream place. Now, like every ice cream place in the summer, what is there? A line. A line's normal. I don't get upset by a line. So we get in line, and it's a fairly long line, of course, but we expected it. So while we're in line, my wife, Laurie, she's usually like dealing with the grandkids and saying, okay, what kind of flavor do you want? Trying to get them ready. The line's going down, going down. And I have one lady in front of me, between me and the counter, and so we're really excited now. And the, and the girl behind the counter says to the lady in front of me, she says, well, what flavor do you, would you like? And this is what the lady did. Um, let's see, what do you have? And she's looking at the menu, which she did not look at for the last 15 minutes as she was standing in line. And I'm getting a little perturbed but I take a deep breath, and I'm okay. And finally, the lady in front of me begins to speak again, and this is what she says. Can I sample your black cherry? (laughs) I want to smack her right in the back of the head. That's what I want to do. I really do. It's like she's in her own little world and doesn't realize there's a line behind her and 20 grandkids that I'm standing there with. I don't smack her in the back of the head. Because one of the reasons we're in this series, and I'm trying to walk in the Spirit and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in my life, My grandkids, however, they have not yet learned to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And there is no love amongst them. There's no peace or patience. And they're totally out of control. And I don't blame them. I really don't. But that's why we're here today. We're here to learn together how to walk in the Spirit and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Dr. Modica, he taught us about love in the very first week. Eric taught us about joy. Shiloh taught us about peace. Ben taught us about patience. And then Eric 
visit it with us a couple weeks. <laughs> he taught us about kindness and goodness. And today, here I am. I don't know where Eric is. And we're going to look at faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, when you look at the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, they all seem to be how we interact with one another, how we love one another, have joy, have patience with one another, be kind with one another. When you look at faithfulness, you kind of look at it and you think to yourself, well, this has kind of a spiritual or religious connotation to it. But the truth of the matter is, it's also about how we interact with one another. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Here's our big idea for today. Our big idea is this. Strengthen your relationships with faithfulness. Strengthen your relationships with faithfulness. Here's a definition of faithfulness. We're going to look at, here's the first thinking point is faithfulness defined, all right? Here's how we define faithfulness, the adjective of faithful, strict or thorough in the performance of duty, faithful worker, true to one's word, promises or vows, steady in allegiance or affection, loyal and constant. Faithfulness. In this cynical world that we live in, we need faithfulness more than ever. Being faithful means being trustworthy and dependable. A faithful person is a person of integrity and honesty. Someone you can rely on. Faithful people keep their word. They do what they promise and they can be trusted. Faithfulness is the character of a person you can rely on all the time. Here's the thing about faithfulness. It hinges upon what we value in life combined with commitment. Whatever you value in life, whether it's an individual organization, just like today, Tyler is faithful to Georgia. You saw his shirt, right? For whatever reason. But it does. Faithfulness hinges on what you value in life. Whatever you feel is important, that's what you're going to be faithful to. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. We have a powerful tendency to what we think is truly important. When you're faithful to an individual or an organization, it is because you value that person or that organization. A lot of times we think of faithfulness, we think we can't measure faithfulness for, for years. But you can measure faithfulness every day of your life. Every day of your life. You can have acts of faithfulness performed between us as individuals, as humans. Faithfulness is returning a phone call when someone calls you. That's faithfulness. Faithfulness is responding to an email promptly when someone emails you. Do you ever get frustrated by someone when you email them and you don't answer you ever? That's unfaithful. That means you don't value that person. You don't value what they're trying to communicate to you or ask you. It's a simple thing. 
But these small acts of faithfulness in our life strengthens our relationships. It's the glue, it's the bond that holds us together in our relationships, faithfulness. Faithfulness is fulfilling a promise when you say you're going to be somewhere sometime, like you're going to be home for dinner at 5 o'clock. For some reason, you get delayed, but you don't text, you don't call, you don't bother, because things happen. Faithfulness is when you text or call and say, I'll be a little bit late. That's faithfulness. That's an act of faithfulness, an act of faithfulness. Faithfulness is when parents, you promise your children something and you fulfill that promise. I think too often we as parents and grandparents promise our kids something and it's just words. It doesn't mean a thing. That's showing unfaithfulness. As an employer, I think one of the most encouraging things for me is having an employee who is faithful. Have an employee who has the, the company's best interest in mind. That's so encouraging. Someone, when you ask them to do something, you can rely on them. And you can trust that it's going to, be, going to be done. You have confidence in that person. Faithfulness is not only an important characteristic in the workplace. It's important in everyday life. In every interaction that we have, it's very, very important. To us and our relationships as individuals and with organizations as well faithfulness. As Christ followers, I believe that we should be models of faithfulness. I believe that we should be we should be the most faithful people living on this earth. Faithfulness. We should be the most faithful workers in the building. We should be the most faithful friends that we have. We should be carrying that banner of faithfulness and people should be following us. Performing acts of faithfulness in the world we live in strengthens our relationships. It's why it's one of the qualities of the Holy Spirit. It's crucial in this world that we live in today. It's the glue that holds us together. And the more faithful we are, the stronger the glue the stronger the relationship. That's just the way it works. Let's look at faithfulness produced. How do we become faithful people? How do we become faithful Christ followers? I think it's interesting in this passage of scripture in Galatians chapter five, because Paul doesn't necessarily say as he's writing this letter to the Galatians, he doesn't say, be loving. He doesn't say, be patient. He doesn't say, have joy. He doesn't say, be faithful. He doesn't say it that way. This is how Paul says we get faithfulness. It's found in verse 16 of chapter 5. And this is what it says in the New Living. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. In the New King James Version, it says this, I say then, walk in the spirit 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The English standard says this, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to walk in the spirit. That's it. That's it. Walk by the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Walk in the spirit. It's pretty important that we truly grasp and understand this principle. I was uh, on vacation with my family um, a couple weeks ago. We went to the Smoky Mountains down in Tennessee. And while we were down there, of course, when you're down in that area, you got to take some hikes. Hiking is not really one of my favorite things to do. Eating ice cream is. So we're, we go on this hike, and then there's this one hike. It was like two and a half miles out up to a waterfall. And so I have all 28 of my family with me. And so I have a picture of us. Here we are starting off on this hike. Some of us walked. Some of us didn't. But we're walking up, and you can see the trail is fairly narrow. As a matter of fact, you can only get like two people side by side on that trail. But here's the thing about hiking and walking. When you're walking on a trail, I know that day for me, I was in the back. That day for me, I had to pick and choose. I had to decide who I was going to walk with. Because you can only walk with one person at a time. And so I did. And I walked along with them. And when you're walking with someone for two and a half miles, you get to know them a little bit. You talk to them. You have conversation. Not only do you get to know them a little bit, but you get to experience what's happening around you. So as the 28 of us left, of course, some of us went faster and some of us were slower. And you experience the things on a trail that, that are, you wouldn't normally experience. And you're experiencing the same things with the person you're walking with. You get to hear the brook running down in the valley. You get to see the, the baby bear playing in the brush that's down in the brush. And you're experiencing and seeing those things together. So when this verse is talking about walking in the spirit, walking by the spirit, that's exactly what it's referring to. Every day we wake up, we need to decide who we're going to walk with, who we're going to allow to be our guide in life. Because the way Paul says it here in verse 16, he says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And what that's talking about is that if you're not walking in the spirit, you're walking under your own power. You're just there on your own and you need to decide, well, how am I going to be loving today? What power am I going to have to have that joy and peace and patience in my life? How am I going to be unfaithful? And you got to figure it out. Faithful, not unfaithful. But when you're walking in the spirit, you're asking God to be that power in your life. You're asking the Holy Spirit to be that power in your life. It's pretty important that we understand how the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit are produced in our life. Eric, in week one, 
he explained it this way. Daily nail sinful passions to the cross. Daily through his word, yield, submit, and listen. So this fruit will be evident in our lives. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to save you, you're a Christ follower. You're a child of God. And the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. All you need to do is decide every day to walk in that spirit. Because God still gives us a choice to walk in the spirit or to walk under our own power and our own wisdom and our own understanding. We have that choice every day. This is what we mean when we say that we have a personal relationship with God. It's because every day he's with me. Every day I decide that I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm going to let him be my guide throughout the course of the day. David in the Old Testament had this relationship. And I think he describes it really well in Psalms 25, chapter 25. If you have a Bible or a device with you today, you can, you can look at that. We'll have the words up on the screen. I'm going to read through some of these verses. So be patient with me. Verse 1 says this, Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me de- be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. Listen to me. The Bible teaches that there is a battle going on between the Holy Spirit and my flesh. My human nature is my enemy. It is your enemy. When we walk in the flesh, we make bad decisions. When we walk in the Spirit, we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, all nine flavors. It's the way it works. In verse 3, no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. All who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Listen, David wrote this psalm at a time when he was going through a lot of trouble in his life. People were attacking him and 
and, and he was being chased down. People were looking to kill him. And yet he writes this, and he's going through these experiences with a personal, intimate relationship with God. Listen just to a couple of those phrases that he said. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. That's what we should be saying every morning of our life. Because every day, the enemy wants to get you off track. Verse 5, lead me by your truth and teach me. That's God's word, scripture. For you are the God who saves me. And in verse 5, all day long, I put my hope in you. Not once a week, not Sunday morning, not once a day, all day long. This is walking in the spirit. This is how we cultivate the fruit of the spirit in our lives. It's how faithfulness is produced in our lives. So often as humans, we're willing to be faithful to someone as long as they're faithful to us. But as As soon as someone is unfaithful to us, we have a tendency in our human nature, in our flesh, to want to be unfaithful back. This faithfulness that the fruit of the Spirit produces is a godly, supernatural faithfulness. It's a faithfulness that will be faithful regardless of of whether people are faithful to us or not. We're Christ's followers. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in our lives. That brings us to point number three, faithfulness restored. You know, I haven't spoken much about God's faithfulness. Scripture speaks a lot about God's faithfulness. There's just a few passages I'll I'll read to you. In Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23, it says this, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In Psalm 119, it says this, Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth, you create it. In Psalm 25, we just read in verse 10, the Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. And then in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into a partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This partnership is that relationship that we have with him every day. When God makes a promise, he fulfills it. Every time, no questions asked. When God makes a promise, he he fulfills it. As great as God's faithfulness is to us, we, as humans, have been unfaithful. We just have. We've been unfaithful in our lives. And I think if you think through your experiences, 
whether it's small acts of faithfulness or unfaithful in a commitment or a vow, it doesn't matter. We all fall short of God's faithfulness. We just do. And so we need to figure out how to restore faithfulness, not just with God, but how to restore faithfulness amongst ourselves because it it needs to be restored. It needs to be restored. It starts with sorrow. Restoration starts with sorrow. Whenever we're unfaithful to someone, we should feel bad about it. We should have sorrow in our lives. Now, you're only going to get sorrow three ways, right? One is you are walking in the spirit or you're sitting in an audience like this and you're listening to God's word or maybe you're reading through God's word on your own and you're just asking the Lord, say, Lord, speak to my heart, test me, try me, see if there's unfaithfulness in my life. And the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. And he brings up something in your mind. And you have sorrow because of it. That's one way we get sorrow, just by the Holy Spirit convicting us in our daily lives. Another way is maybe we have a friend. Maybe you have a friend who's close to us and they notice that we are not walking in the Spirit. We're not living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And they notice some behavior. And so they go to us and they say, Gus, let's go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. <laughs> and they say, I just, I just want to be honest with you. I haven't, I haven't noticed some faithfulness in your life. You haven't returned my calls. You haven't returned my emails. It seems like you're avoiding me. And then you, get, you feel bad about it. And you get sorrow in your life. Maybe that's a friend of yours. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your boss pulls you into his office. Sorrow is the first step to restoration of faithfulness. The third way we get sorrow is we offend someone and we hurt them. I love my wife. I've been married to my wife for 47 years. And there's been times over those 47 years that I've disappointed her. And every time I've disappointed her, that face of disappointment hurt so bad. You guys all know what it is. You ladies know what it is. There's been times when you've disappointed someone in your life and you see that pain in their face, that brings sorrow. That brings sorrow. And when we get that sorrow, there's a couple steps that we could take. We could say, oh, well. But when we're walking in the spirit, we want contrition. We want atonement. We want to make it right. And so how do we make it right? We confess. We tell them that we're sorry. We tell them that we've made a mistake. And not only do we tell them, 
but we tell God. When God makes a promise, he keeps a promise. When God says to you, seek me, you will find me, you will. When God says to you and to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he won't. When God says to us, if you confess your sin, I will be faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all wickedness, he does. And faithfulness is restored. That's the step. It's as simple as that. Now, you may not get the trust that you want right away in your relationship. That trust is going to take time to rebuild. It'll take small acts of faithfulness to build that trust back up and to get that bond in your relationship back, that glue that you want. It'll take time. But when you're sorry and you repent of your sin and you want atonement between God and the person you offended, confess, go to them, tell them you were wrong and you want to make it right and confess to God. God is a faithful God. In 1 John 1, 9, I think we have it up on the screen. This is what it says. If we are faithful and just to forgive us our sins, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's a pretty cool promise. That's a pretty cool promise. We should claim it today. We should claim it today. We should start right now and say, today I'm going to live a faithful life with everybody that I come in contact with. Let's carry that banner of faithfulness as Christ followers. Christ followers should be the most faithful people on the face of the earth because they're not faithful in their own power. They're faithful in God's power by walking in the spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to open up your word and to look at the quality of faithfulness. And Father, I just want to come to you right now and speak to our hearts about where we are as we sit here in the quietness of this moment. Where are we? Lord, have we been walking down that path, down that journey without you, without the guide of your Holy Spirit? Father, is there times in our life when we've been unfaithful whether it's small acts of unfaithfulness or commitments that we've made and promises that we've broken and as you sit here in the room today and as we are speaking to God if God has prompted something in your heart I would pray and I would challenge you to take care of it 
right now in the quietness of this moment. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to forgive you. He promises he will. If there's someone that you've offended with unfaithfulness, I would encourage you to go to that person as soon as you can. Make atonement. Make it right. Confess to them and tell them you want to make it right. Faithfulness can be restored. Father, we thank you for these promises that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that you give us the courage and the boldness to do what your Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. Father, I pray that each and every one of us here in the room today would strengthen our relationships with faithfulness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.